You're listening to That's Pretty Dark. The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children. And still haunts us as adults. So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders. And under our beds. And in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty that's dark. That's pretty dark. <laughs> Boy, it's hot. It's hot in here. Oh, God. Welcome to That's Pretty Dark. I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> I am. So at least 50% of us are wearing pants Yeah, we are. Today. We are video chatting while we do this. So uh, we have to I did to not be, know you weren't wearing pants. We have fair. to be clothed. But that's fine because I'm in my Zoom meeting, like, uh, you know, attire. I got, I got a shirt on. Just a shirt. So that's good. Okay, good. I'm wearing underwear. Okay. I have to have something between I'm me glad that you- <laughs> and my my, le- my leather uh, office chair. Office or I'll just chair. be like, yeah, that's <laughs> gross. Just, just stick into it. Yeah. Gross. You know, <clears throat> life's hard. <laughs> Did I interrupt you? Were you were you on that train? I just still? had a bit, but you ruined the whole thing. Oh damn! Sorry. I'll try not to do that again because that was definitely a bit everyone wanted to hear. I'm working about on you slurping around I'm in your office chair. Working Ooh. on my comedy routine. Okay, look, I'm gonna start doing stand up. You know, I can do some stand up. We've discussed this. I, I we've talked about writing it. Awesome edit. I have so many good ideas. Man. You ever see those dads in grocery stores? <laughs> Dude, I still remember talking about that. He <laughs> yeah. has a great bit, guys. One day you'll hear it. <laughs> yeah, this is just the start. All right, so we have This is a, like a five-year-old stand-up comedy a plan. childhood horror podcast that is a combination of, uh, you know, children's entertainment mixed with home improvement, home Ooh. ownership, mm-hmm. and stand-up I'm comedy. workshop in my stand-up. Yeah. You guys are really in for a treat. Audience of one. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm kicking back. I got some crispy boys. I'm mm, just slurping. Crispy slurping. boy. I'm still drinking my lemon water for the mucus in my throat and in my brain, as that I is, mentioned that earlier. Sounds, that sounds tasty. You're going you're gonna to flush out your esophagus. That's all of it. I mean, it all needs it. some flushing. Everything needs it a just good flush. Sometimes just needs a good old-fashioned flush. Somebody flush out my memory and <laughs> my, my <laughs> that life. That, too. Dude, same. Just zap it. Men in black. Well, this is going to be a four and a half hour episode. Yeah, welcome to so it. <laughs> buckle into your new nightmare. I keep trying to introduce the podcast and we keep getting derailed oh, by God. comedy. What podcast is this? This podcast is called That's Pretty Dark. So you're Kaylin. I'm Kaylin. You're Christian. I am. Born and raised. We're here to talk with you today about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, season one, episode five. Mm-hmm. We were just discussing how how rough this episode is. Yeah, uh, it's called "The Tale of the Hungry Hounds," oh. and um, somebody's got to feed the hams. Yeah, it's the hams are hungry. I don't know. We'll let you guys make your own judgments about it, but I will mm-hmm. tell you. I'm going to scroll ahead in my notes real quick to inform you. This episode happens to be the lowest rated of the season on IMDb with a, a 7.3 average user rating, which still doesn't sound that bad. But when you compare it to the others, which are like nines, pretty much all the way through. Um, yeah, this this episode's different. Just a bunch of nines. If you haven't seen it in a long time, this will probably be pretty funny to you. I hope so. It's hilarious, actually. I, I laughed through it. Yeah, there I There were some too. good moments. Sure. There some were there moments. were some good moments, but I definitely laughed at this episode more than I have at the others. So that is something it has going for it. But to like put it into perspective for all of you adults listening, it's like, you know, you're going out, you got a night in the town. You're gonna go to the bar. You're looking to meet some cute singles. Okay. You walk into a bar, it's full of nines. <laughs> 
Okay, all right. This is where you're rating women now. No, I'm, you could be talking about dudes. I didn't say women. You're right. I okay. said cuties. Okay. Looking for some cuties. It could be any. You could be anything. Any gender. Can any be pronoun cute. you want. Yeah, the whole spectrum. There are cuties on the whole spectrum. You see the club full of nines, and you see a seven point three. Just like over You're the corner. You're going to notice the 7.3. Yeah, but not in a good way. Not like, not you're like. You're going to notice me. Gosh, you're, you're at least a, a 7.4. Okay. Okay. I mean, I would take a 7.4, honestly. At least. But it depends on the room I'm in. Because it's just like people say, you know, like in LA, I'd be like a two, but in Alabama, I'm an eight. And I feel like that's kind of me. So That's not real. But this like, <laughs> the 7.3 in the corner isn't just like the cool loner, mm-hmm. the lone wolf, if you will, the lone hungry hound. <laughs> In the corner, they're like the person who's like awkwardly dancing by themselves, just like looking at the ceiling. I mean, you're just describing like a wallflower. That's Feeling not the necessarily music. like a weird, weird person. And but then you look over and he's just staring at you. Ew. Okay. There we go. He's dancing to the music by himself, but he's looking you dead in the eye. Oh no. That's a set. That, that's this episode. We've arrived. Okay, that is it. Yeah, I'm getting mental Ooh. images that I do not like. Right, well, I've served my purpose. I'm going to go. You talk about okay. the episode. Yeah, I'll just tell him. So have, thanks for that. I'm going to go turn my AC on and relax. Yeah, enjoy the air conditioning and I will continue to suffer in the silent heat. All right. So take it away. So yeah, like we said, we're talking about the tale of the hungry hounds today. All right, NPR. So the episode, it originally aired on SNCC on September 12th, 1992. Oh, I didn't and, get the air date for my last one. God. Oh, man. See, I'm more professional than you. You're better than I am. It was directed by DJ McHale, and it was written by DJ McHale and Anne Appleton, and she wrote two other episodes. But I didn't, I couldn't like find a lot about her online, so I keep, I keep doing the thing because now that we know that um, DJ has a pen name that's kind of feminine, I, I keep wondering like, do you just have a bunch of alter egos or like, what's the, what's the deal? Right, right, right. Um, But so nothing on IMDb. Yeah, couldn't find much about this Anne Appleton, but she did write two other episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So Sounds like a fake name. I know, Anne right? Anne Appleton. No Anne one's Appleton. named that. <laughs> Sorry, Anne, if you're listening. Appleton. You want me to hit you with the IMDb summary of the episode? Would you I like would to love know? nothing more in this okay. moment. I thought you wanted to know because we know how great the IMDb can summarize things. Yeah, let's hear it. I mean, it's pretty dead on. Um, I can't wait to hear what that paid intern wrote about this episode <laughs> 30 years right? ago. Uh, so the the IMDb summary is two girls go to an attic where one of them tries on a uniform that belonged to a dead relative where her spirit lives on. You know, I got to say, I hate, you know, I have a lot of uh, family heirlooms and like like relics sure. and stuff. You do actually, yeah. Family made furniture, mm-hmm. like actual hand carved wooden pieces of furniture. I have like my grandmother's coffee table, mm-hmm. my great great grandmother's dining room table. Wow. I also have a lot of uh, clothing pieces from like my dad, but also my uncle. Who's dead? Yeah. I have like jackets in particular from my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I can't stand it. Sometimes I just I put the jacket on mm-hmm. and I just like get possessed by my uncle. Oh, man. Yeah. I wondered if that happened God, to you. God, I hate when that happens. I hate Isn't that. Isn't it the worst? It's like. You just can't wear the jacket like as Christian. It's like, relax, Tommy. <laughs> Yeah, I love my dead uncle, but he didn't give me any jackets. <laughs> so what's your summary? <laughs> now that I've ruined it. No, that that wasn't ruining it. You gave us a very personal up. Yeah, you gave us a very personal look at your life. You got more coming to you. It, the IMDB description on this episode is very no nonsense. I can't really argue with it, but I mm-hmm. personally described the episode as a country cousin and her incredibly whiny city counterpart explore a decades-old gripe between some hungry hunting dogs and their deceased aunt. Mm. Oh, and there's the mention of horseback riding also. <laughs> yes. That's the summary. 
<laughs> it is so out of left field, isn't it? It doesn't it really apply. Is. It doesn't apply at all. I mean, they just like, needed of. it too. Like they needed a they needed a vehicle. We'll talk about it. We'll get to it. But God, can you do the summaries from now on, please? <laughs> hey, you do yours. You do your thing. I'll do mine. If in the end we end up together, we'll both do summaries. Our own summary for every episode. Is that too yeah. much to ask? No, I mean, I guess not. Yeah, I could do an, a summary for yours. I guess it's fair. We can let the people vote on who they like better. Yours is going to win every time. <laughs> oh, man. The people being like my dad. Well, you've already won. Yeah, true, actually. Even even my dad will vote for you. That's what I'll uh, achieve. Yeah, this is the this is one of the least well put together episodes, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah. St- story structure There's just wise. some, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. And I will say, so it's called The Tale of the Hungry Hounds, right? And like looking at the title, I'm like, oh no, because... Mm. I love dogs. I'm a dog. I'm a cat person and a dog person. I don't discriminate against animals. I love all of them mm-hmm. just to pieces. Love animals, not in pieces. Not in pieces. Two pieces. Not very even big two difference. Two pieces, right? It's <laughs> a little bit much. But the thing is, the idea of hellhounds, though, mm-hmm. like absolutely terrifying me. See, when you hear hungry hounds, that's where you think this episode's going. Exactly. Exactly. Hellhounds, really, in particular. So I, I I don't drive with the idea. Um, it just frightens me very much. Yeah. Um, I didn't sleep for days after I watched season two, episode eight of Supernatural, which I mean, I was at least 20 years old at this point. And it's still <laughs> got you that bad. It really did. Like, I I dare you go watch it. Oh, my God. I've seen it. Um, But in this you've seen it. OK, good. Yeah, it's scary. Um, the, Like for anybody that doesn't know in that episode, there are these like small town folks that are selling their soul to the devil and at this crossroads and then mm. when the bargain's up basically they're then tracked down and eaten alive by literal hellhounds yeah um dogs from hell from from where from hell oh hellhounds got it hell they're hellhounds he devil <laughs> damn hellhounds that's where <laughs> they're from is hell damn but, hell <laughs> hell it is it is really um terrifying it is i didn't have any like memories of this Ari Fire the Dark episode, like watching it as a kid or anything. It's a forgetful one. Yeah. And I will say also that I'm like a chronic rewatcher. Like I rewatch things obsessively all the time. I'm always rewatching something that I've already seen. Even if I'm watching something new, I always fall back on something that I that I know. Yeah. Um, but I have never been able to rewatch that episode of Supernatural. Just really? fun fact. Yeah. Can't do it. I get that. I have things like that. So the <laughs> the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode opens around the Midnight Society campfire, as usual. Mm-hmm. And Kiki and Betty Ann are, like, breaking sticks for kindling. They're getting ready to start the fire. And then they get startled. Yeah! Oh, there it is! Oh, what do you hear? What is that sound? They are startled by this howling sound in the woods. Um, and then it turns out that it's just the, the boys, and they're spooking them. Yeah. Um, so they come up, and they pick on the girls for being afraid. And then I think this is now the second time that we... Oh. Maybe three chicken sounds? I was going to say, yeah, this is the moment. They start yeah. doing the clucking. They're like, we get our clucking. No dogs, um, just chickens or whatever. So this is like th- three or four times now. We need to get better at this. If we're going to actually count it, we should we should count it. But yeah, three or four times. And then our hero Gary comes bearing firewood so that the girls can like not have to work so hard. And then he's like, oh, let me do it. And I'm kind of like, mm. And then <laughs> David asks where Kristen is. Of course. And... Because he, you know, he's in love with her. We learned this last episode. Did I scare her off with my locket? <laughs> he needs to know. And I mean, I understand. I'd be worried too. I That's my crush, you know? I get it. She and I. But he, he asks where she is and Kiki says, 
oh, I bet she shows up when all the work is done. That way she won't break a fingernail. This is Kiki that's speaking. I mean, like, I hate to admit it, but I was a tomboy growing up too. And I was kind of like that. Like, I kind of spoke like that, talked like that. But right now in this moment, as an adult watching it, it is just painful internalized misogyny. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then Gary's like, oh, you know, I guess we need – because, you know, Kristen's not there. Yeah, he's like, we need, we need a rule for these latecomers or whatever yeah, he says. Yeah, And uh, I, at that moment, I felt kind of attacked and I was like, I mean, I've always wanted to be in the Midnight Society, but I don't think you or I would, would be able to be in the Midnight Society should they make that a real rule. I was late to recording today. <laughs> Twice, technically speaking. Yeah. You bumped the time and then we're late to the time that you bumped it to. Dude. And I mean, I'm late to everything, <laughs> so. <laughs> that's what I, that's my, that's my move. I keep them waiting, you know? You got to yeah. keep your audience. The fashionable, waiting. yeah, you you really love the making the entrance, except you kind of hate making an entrance, so I, I don't know. And I'm it's, the same way. It's not intentional. No. I play it off as though it's intentional, but it's not. Chronically late as people, both of us. Yeah. But then as we're waiting for Kristen, we hear another like distant howl. And so then Betty Ann's like, what's that? And then Frank's like, oh, it sounds like a hound dog. And we're like, oh, okay, foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. And then Eric's like, Kristen's no dog. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Are you complimenting her? Wow. What a compliment. Kristen ain't no dog. The bar is on the floor, ladies. The bar (laughs) is on the floor. Um, So Uh, as they're like pondering this moment, um, a hound dog does indeed emerge from the woods and Kristen has brought him from the woods. Uh, it's her dog. And she says that his name is Elvis. Mm, um, fitting. and then somebody's like, Oh, you nothing but a hound dog. And then it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, I wondered if kids today would catch on to that immediately. Like the kids know that song. I feel like most do, but still, yeah, maybe not as commonly as we did. Hound dog. Yeah. But I mean, an Elvis reference in the '90s isn't that far off. It's but a bit far removed. We definitely people knew. still know Elvis, but do kids know, I don't know that if, song? Like, "Quote unquote," kids know Elvis. <laughs> anyway, but who, yeah, you know, so somebody's like, my, "My dad says Elvis is king." Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like oh, okay, the writers. I, forget, of I this. forget who said that, but I was like, "Oh, it was Betty Ann." Yeah, I was like, "Okay, just give her a line of dialogue." Great, thank you. Yeah. Pretty much. Thanks for making her relevant. And the, the writers of this episode just seem to like Elvis. Yeah. So yeah, Kristen brings the dog and we learned that she's this week's storyteller and she brought Elvis to provide some sound effects, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. She's a pro, like pro move, practical sound effects. Kristen's got them. Got to. And so she then sprinkles the midnight dust and we enter the story world as we do. Every time. Submitted to the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. And I think we mentioned, you know, that although maybe we didn't discuss it at the very beginning, but each of the Midnight Society members have kind of themes in the first season to their stories. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to note that Kristen's stories, they're usually about ghosts who have unfinished business mm-hmm. and people, ghosts that are using mortals to like complete unfinished business. And that's like a common theme with Kristen's stories. Nice. So you're about to, about to hear all about it. About all about these all ghosts. About that. So we meet then like our story characters and we are introduced to Pam, and they basically say she's like a teenager who likes to explore her hoarder mom's attic when it's raining. And then again, with the cousin coven coming to town, mm-hmm. her city cousin Amy has come to visit. So like, yeah, the city cousin and the country cousin. Right? Exactly, yeah. I feel like so many things in the 90s made things like city mouse, country mouse. Like that was just a very easy... <laughs> Cousins are like, they're still close enough to be relevant to the story and the situation, but they're still removed enough that they're not like your sibling. 
They don't know right. everything you would know. Right. But they still know a lot of the stuff you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the perfect combination. Yeah, it's a good device. You can explain enough to the audience without having to over-explain to a stranger. Yes. Over-explain to a stranger or sound stupid explaining it to a sibling or somebody that knows better. Exactly. So, yeah. I think it's a brilliant move involving the cousin. Yeah. That's definitely a middle ground, like good middle ground for the audience sake anyway. Once again, we've got like sort of stylish fashionista cousin. Yes. And super uh, homey, modest cousin. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do that more with girls than with dudes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They don't differentiate. The guys are, guys are always all the same. dress the same, always. Yeah. But the girls, they have to define you by your specifically appearance. By your appearance. Doesn't that suck? And I mean, I... It was true, you know, is true. I'm just, it's, I'm noticing it. I'm lot. glad that you're noticing it because yeah. this is the world that, you know, that I grew up in fully. And I mean, even as a kid, like I said, I was kind of a tomboy. I didn't really care what I wore or what I did. I was always in just baggy t-shirts and, yeah. you know, I grew up at the height of purity culture also. So it's like Ooh. ultra <laughs> modest is hottest mm. type of garbage just defining you by your appearance constantly 24-7 and you're meant to always be aware of how you look and what you look like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I definitely am off on a tangent, but <laughs> No, I <laughs> yes. mean this is women are, are defined by their appearance and it starts when they are mere children. Um, okay. So I'll take a second to say that Pam was played by Mia Krishner. Um, and she's apparently had a pretty exciting career, even though I didn't like immediately recognize her. Um, she's got a bunch of credits, but she played Mandy in 24, which I really liked that show oh, wow. at the time. Yeah. Um, and she played Jenny on the L word and she was Isabel in the vampire Diaries. So she's been in some big name shows. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she, she was also briefly on Star Trek Discovery All right. and I have not seen it and I'm sure it's important to many people. So I will cease <laughs> discussing it because I don't want to get anything wrong. Um, and then Pam's cousin, Amy is played by Jennifer Gula, um, who had a smattering of TV and voice credits. Smatterings. Yeah. Nothing really that, that stood out to me, but still a couple other credits. Yeah. Um, so Pam in the, this world of our story, she's making herself busy, like digging through her family's artifacts in their attic. Um, and she's trying on her grandfather's wedding suit. And then she says that her parents were just a twinkle in his eye <laughs> at the time. And then mentions also her late aunt Dora, who was the oldest. So it's like they they hit you right up front with this is the family hierarchy. Like this is what's going on. And then Pam calls for Amy to come check out the suit. And she calls for a couple times and she's not coming. So then we hear this like voice disembodied from the other side of the room. And then we see that there's this ghostly woman like coming approaching in a wedding dress she's kind of floating yeah and she's standing near the window and she says hello charles and she's like commenting on wedding things and wedding guests (laughs) and pam's like okay this isn't funny like standard exactly we talked about this before (laughs) in the previous (laughs) episode come on it's not funny um you're not scaring me when it probably is a little bit a little bit unnerving and then Amy reveals herself and she's like, give me a break. You don't believe in ghosts, yeah, right. do like, you? A constant thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Pam just replies by misquoting Hamlet and yeah. says, there are more things on heaven and earth than that, that you could dream of. That's what she says. Well, she's a kid, man. She's not going to quote it perfectly. Not like Hill House, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think she's like passing her ninth grade lit class right now. Horatio. Horatio. Um, yes, it is quoted in Hill House. I always appreciate the reference. I, I mean, same, it's a great same. quote. I, love I like it. when they reference literature. And this I is probably that Hamlet. same. Yeah. Me too. And it's probably the same idea still that they want to add this like 
flavor taste of educational mm-hmm. content Ooh, yeah. um, to, to make it seem elevated for parents to be okay with a scary show for kids. Yeah. She explains where it's from and like why it's relevant and it's still spooky. Cause it's like, yeah, well, you know, his dad's ghost, you know, it's like, Oh, spooky. All right. Maybe I should read Hamlet. It's about right. Ghosts. And it's a, f- a familial ghost too. Yeah. So people are yeah. like, okay, dope. Bless her. But she just, she I mean, that makes it. me want to read Hamlet. Same. Love Shakespeare. Understatement of the millennia. (laughs) (laughs) So, Amy. Oh, sorry. You had something? No, I was going to say, do you think think it was important or cool or somewhere in between that she was dressing up in the – the suit? Oh, yeah. I did. The wedding suit. You thought it was like I noticed that. I was like, okay. But it was also like – it's still that very much like tomboy versus feminine very specific. energy yeah. thing. And they also, they subtly still do it where it's like the smarter, more put together cousin has masculine features and yeah. the less put together, meaner, more whatever flighty cousin has it's the feminine features. Feminine. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that too. That's why I was asking. I was like, yeah. it's a distinction that you get immediately, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not. If it's, something's it's good, not- it's masculine. Of course. It can't be good and be feminine. Yeah, she's the intelligent one. It can't be, yeah, you the intelligent, strong female. It's got to be like, you have to be more more masculine. Mm-hmm. You have to be more masculine. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't, ugh, it bothers me, but whatever. Oh, me too. I just thought it was interesting and fun to point out. But mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it goes right into that that whole idea that we were noti- noting earlier and noticing. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, Amy's like, I don't believe in ghosts. And then as she says that, we there's this bump in the attic and the suitcase like topples over and all these papers and photographs come like spilling out of it. Yeah. And Amy reaches in and pulls out a photo of like a girl and her horse. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you could ride. And then Pam is like, well, I can't. My mom won't let me. That's Aunt Dora and her horse Mirage, which I like the horse's name. I thought that was great. Mirage. It's a good that's name, a good for, name a for a horse. Or a cat. I love the idea of a cat Ooh, named Mirage. That's pretty good too. Right? I- I would, if I next next cat I get one third day. Third cat. Ooh, third cat. <laughs> Mirage. I've always also loved the idea of naming a cat Gracie, like Master Gracie from the Haunted Mansion. Oh, of course, of course. Maybe Mirage and Gracie. So <laughs> now that you know what my cat name preferences are, at least you're not naming your children. True, true that. <laughs> but Amy is like. If, if just to drive it home for the audience a little bit more, Amy's like, oh, Aunt Dora looks a lot like you, Pam. You know, like you guys look yeah. a lot alike. So they hear another noise and then they go to investigate and they pull out the old trunk, this big, like beautiful um, old antique trunk. And it has Dora's name engraved on it with the year 1963. Year of our Lord. And the trunk is like locked with a combination. Um, but they notice like a hole on the side, like maybe a mouse chewed through or something. Did you notice like where the hole was specifically? No. It was like not just in the wood in the side of the this chest, but like through the metal banding. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, this mouse is chewing through this metal. Ma- I mean, rats can do that, but come on. Right. Yeah, that's not that's that's way too convenient. But also they never really explain what the hole I mean, it was a mouse. Yeah, hole. that's true. That was it. it had to have been. Yeah. If your option is wood or metal. I think you're going to just pick the, the wood. But anyway, I digress. Whatever. Um, Whatever. So they notice this mouse hole and then Pam like doesn't want to open it. And Pam says that her mom says that you should let the dead rest in peace, which is very like. <laughs> so on the nose. Yeah. Really on the nose with the writing here. Um, yeah. It was very, very much. Yes. Should let the dead rest in peace. And then like this voice calls them from downstairs and yeah. telling Pam like she needs to go feed the dog. Foreshadowing. Yeah. And I mean, okay. Like I have a note here. I was just talking kind of about how 
I haven't ever, you talk about having like your family heirlooms and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I've never really had an attic to like rummage through or anything like that. But in 2019, my grandfather and my uncle both passed away and they, he had been sick for a long time and not really able to do much. But during COVID, I helped my parents kind of go and say goodbye to the house and clean it out because my dad was going to sell it. Yeah, It is wild to open like a cabinet or a drawer or open a closet or whatever and just know that that's been there since like 1980 and nobody's touched it. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like anytime that you disturb something that has not been disturbed in decades, it, there's like this weird sacredness to it. Really Even is, if it's yeah. just like a board game in a closet. There's something about it, yeah. Something about it. It's just this weird like you're you're interacting with the past in a way mm-hmm. um so i do get that like yeah, you feel like it has the same energy that it used to have like it's right still, and you it's know that present. they were the last person to touch somebody that the last person to touch it is likely not alive right um so there's just something about that yeah that's a that's the a person that put this here yeah it doesn't exist anymore in our world so but energy can't be created or destroyed that's right it's got to go somewhere Mm -hmm. so yeah we join like amy and pam again on this dirt road and amy the city cousin is complaining about i can't believe i have to spend my entire summer here like what do you do for fun anyway like (laughs) just city mouse country mouse it's a nice reverse on the last episode where that's true spending your summer with the cousin you had to see from the outsider perspective Mm -hmm. and now we've reversed it that's true you, you, so you're seeing the cousin that's being visited, but it's still the same person. It's still yes, the same. It's tom- still the same character. The intelligent tomboy. Yes, is still the one. Intelligent tomboy is the the protagonist, and the antagonist is the. Yeah, they just you know, swapped places. They just basically. swapped places. Yeah, one of them in the last episode that was the owner of the home or the you know the resident of the home. Right. And it's flipped this time. So yeah, she's all complaining. Yeah, and so she's like, "What do you do for fun?" And then Pam's like, "Oh, I'll show you." Like, but you like you got to promise not to tell basically. You want to see some fun? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to you want to see something fun? I'll show you something fun. So she takes her to this pasture where there's this horse, like a black horse like grazing in the pasture, and Pam explains that his owners are away in the city. God. You know, they keep referencing the city. Away in the city and they only They're out in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and they only come to visit him on weekends. And so then she just like yanks a carrot out of her pocket. Like, <laughs> totally normal because that she's carrying it with her. You know, and I almost her forgot, mom would never suspect. Good thing I keep this carrot in my pocket. Yep, my snacking carrot. Uh, you never uh, know when you might yeah. need one. In case I meet Bugs Bunny and uh, be prepared. <laughs> and so she calls the horse over with this carrot. And it's funny that something about this made me laugh out loud because Amy is like, so he's like a big dog. So what? (laughs) I'm like, like, okay, number one, you've never seen a horse before. Even if you have, like, why is that what you say? Why are those your words? Well, she says, does it bite? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know know what it is? Yeah. It's not like you're meeting like a camel. Right. It's not a foreign animal. Like, you can meet. We all know horses say nay, and we learn that when we're like two years old. Yeah. What sound does the horse make? Bark, bark. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it was just, it was funny. So it's like a big dog. So what? Like, she's not impressed because it's like a big dog. And I think it was just another excuse yeah. for the writers to say the word dog. To tie in the word dog, yeah. yeah. How can we make, let's make the horse relevant. We'll just call it a big dog. I have in my notes, <laughs> I had it in my notes where I'm like, not sure what Amy means by this. Uh, it's a horse, Amy. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> That's all you, I got for you. It's, you idiot. It's a horse. This is a horse. It's an average-sized horse, not a big dog, you moron. <laughs> 
don't. <laughs> yeah, why is that your frame of reference? An even bigger cat. <laughs> That's what it's more like. <laughs> um, so Pam like climbs up on the fence and she starts to like mount the horse. And then in the moment where she's beginning to mount the horse, we hear this loud, like angry car horn honking. Yep. And so it startles the horse. And so Pam stumbles down and then Pam's mom, you know, gets out of her car and rushes over and she tells Pam, like, I told you to never go near them. They're dangerous. And I'm just kind of like, okay, lady, tell me why you like knowingly honked a loud horn when you knew your daughter was like getting on top of a thousand pound animal. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you're so worried about how dangerous they are. They can get spooked why? and they can run off and you can fall off. But I'm going to spook it real quick so you can fall off of it and show you how dangerous it yeah, is. Yeah, I guess it was proving a point or something. I mean, not. I mean, I don't think so, but. It, yeah, I, I shouldn't give it that much credit. It was silly to me that she like beep, 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 like scared the horse. <laughs> Just in the, the nick of time, that horse almost ate that little girl. Thank God her mom was there. Yeah, right? What would she have done without that loud horn honking? Yeah, I've seen I've seen a horse eat a child in the, the Brothers Grimm movie. It's not pretty. Yeah. It sucked. I don't want to see a horse eat anything, really, but particularly a child. I like that movie, but it's a terrible movie. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so Pam is just like upset now and she's like, horses wouldn't be dangerous if I knew how to ride. And she like wants to take lessons and... I think it would be dangerous either way if you're going to drive up to it and honk a horn. Yeah. Like, I think that doesn't matter whether you have lessons or don't. It's like pointing a gun at somebody and pulling the trigger. I mean, like, well, it, it wouldn't be so dangerous if I just knew how to <laughs> shoot a gun. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever, mom. Get out of here, mom. Come on, mom. Uh, but the mom's like, no, and I wish you wouldn't bring up the subject again. Yeah. And she's like, mom, it was 30 years ago. Her mom says, seems like yesterday to me. Yeah. But then I'm reminded, I don't know if we just jumped time or something, but I thought her mom was at home telling her to feed the dogs. So where, where was, where's mom been? Was she at home? Was this a ghost that talked to Pam and Amy? Yeah. We did have like a time jump. It's sort of We like, don't know if it's the same moment, it could be same the, day. It could be the next day. It could be, yeah. you know, whatever. So then, and I think this may be the next day. I don't know, but they didn't, we, we don't see them go eat dinner. Instead, we see, we, we cut to this picnic table where they're outside and there's a Ouija board. Ooh. Oh yeah, where the hell did this Ouija, all these board games and this Ouija yeah. board? She carried yeah. a stack of board games yeah. to this table? To this table In outside. the middle of nowhere? And I think it's meant to illustrate like, okay, all that there is to do is play boring board games. Like, I mean, whatever. yeah. They're doing this in the broad daylight in the middle of nowhere. You got to do the Ouija yeah. board in the attic. I know. It's I've never seen anybody do like use a Ouija board out in the sunlight. Before. It bothered me so much. <laughs> I was like, this is not scary. Unless yeah. somebody said, this is too scary. Maybe. Let's move it. Let's to make it less scary. Move it out to the pasture where the, where the big dog is. I was more worried or not worried, but more like, is this just meant to be a trope? Like, we need to insert something scary. Here's a Ouija board because they're supposed to be scary. Maybe. Like, just the, the sight of this will be spooky. Yeah, it was a little bit silly. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Agreed. But Amy's complaining, of course, about how boring the games are. And she's like, what are we going to do next, Jethro? Shuck some corn? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she's referring funny. to the Beverly Hillbillies. Mm -hmm. But it's like another reference that I have. I think that one in, in particular, I don't think kids would catch it today. But I did as a child. We did as children. Yeah. Time frame. Just well, different, the, the reference would be lost, but I still think it's funny. I think Jethro being a pretty ar archaic name, kids yeah. would probably kids go would, like, oh, that's funny. That's kind of a country, old school, archaic Amish yeah. type name. They'd get there, even if it wasn't the same place that our minds would go. I think I think kids would get it. I think they'd be like, oh, okay. And then I also wondered, like, why not just call her Ellie Mae? Because she's a girl. But no, they gave her, the, give her the man's they name. They called her Jethro. Got it. I don't know. Weird. 
Um, gotta make her seem intelligent. Gotta make her a man. You know, yep. men are smarter way than, smarter than women. Way smarter than women. I mean, I'm way smarter than you, clearly. Of course, yeah. That's a given. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty obvious. <laughs> Can't even <clears throat> say it with a straight face. Where's my other? Where's the beer? <laughs> Hurry up. I should have grabbed beer. one while I was out. Second I'm, I'm beer. Out of, oh my God. Yeah, you just left. Third beer, actually. Oh, third beer. Third Maybe beer Christian. Third beer Christian's the best Christian. He's a fun one. I like that guy. <laughs> so they're playing with the Ouija board outside and Amy's, you know, unimpressed. And Pam exclaims that like her mom and Dora used to play with the Ouija board when they were kids. And then she found it in the attic and explains how the spirits are like i guess explains a ouija board for anybody that doesn't know what a ouija board is kids maybe at the time explain that spirits are supposed to give them messages from the other world yeah exposition i like it then i immediately was like what happened to like let the dead rest in peace mom like i thought that was your like (laughs) philosophy on life but apparently you used to play with horatio You you used to play with a Ouija board as a child, but okay, all right, maybe you learned, maybe you changed your mind, I don't know. You're right. And I will insert the fact that I never plan to play with a Ouija board, I never have before, Same. and I never will. I just I won't. simply refuse. I love the idea of it and the concept of it, but the like practice of it absolutely just is a big, big no for me yeah there's always the kid that's like i don't know about this guys what if it's you know what if it's not what if it's something else she says that what if it's something else Mm -hmm. like in the actual chest i believe oh yeah 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 but i don't know if there's a certain kind of like ghost lore or spirit lore or something i just feel like there are certain doors that shouldn't be opened Mm -hmm. i i've just never seen anything good come from a ouija board i've never seen anything bad either not in real life i mean not in real life but i've heard a lot of stories same of things that weren't there until the Ouija board was messed mm-hmm. with. And then things were there afterward. True. That didn't want to leave because they were welcomed inside. It's that vampire lore. Yeah, exactly. You have to welcome you, it. You welcomed it. You said yes. or you. And you don't yeah. have to say, oh yeah, come on, live inside my house with me. Mm-mm. Live here. You don't have to say that. Nope. It can be a simple action like playing with the Ouija board. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love haunted things, obviously, as you guys have heard and just been you know very thoroughly (laughs) informed of by now like love all of it but that's a line that i can't bring myself to cross personally so if you have a wild ouija board story tell us please please educate us would love to hear yeah educate us who are completely you know (laughs) (laughs) non-users we're non-users we're non-users we say no to ouija boards so we would love to hear your experiences if you do not find that to be the case or if you do let us know that's pretty dark podcast at gmail.com. Boom. Yeah. So Amy is like, okay, fine. And they both grab the planchette and we get like the the movement begins. And every single time that I've ever seen a Ouija board used in any media ever, they're like, you're doing this, right? Yeah. And, but the planchette moves and the board spells let me out. Mm-hmm. You can see the muscles in their hands like flexing, like they're trying to move it. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yep. It's not even like mm. convincing. It's like, no, okay, they're moving. No, there was no, not even any fishing wire. They're moving it. Yeah, all right. In this one. So funny. I think it's Amy that says it. She's like, maybe it's that rodent calling from Aunt Dora's box. Aunt Dora's box sounds like Pandora's box. It does, doesn't it? I thought that too. I have it written down. It says it right there. Pandora's box. Silly. Same brain wavelength. Same brain wave. Link. And the board then spells out 149. And so we're all like, okay, that must be the combination to the lock. 
Pam is now like really spooked and doesn't want to be exploring this, even though she was really gung ho for playing with the Ouija board just a minute ago. So they go up to the attic and they open the box and then there's this puff of dust and it reveals all of, as they open it, all of Andor's riding clothes, like horse riding clothes and gear. And they comment like, it looks like they never washed it after the last time she wore it. And honestly, I think that has to be some part of the magic Yeah. in this in this realm, in this story, like in this universe. It feels it's like left because they didn't wash it, that is why it is the way that it is. Did you notice when she was doing the combination on the lock? Mm-hmm. Nothing about 149 on that lock. <laughs> I didn't see it. Nothing at all. Oh, bummer. She Come ended, on. She ended up landing on number... I, from my memory, I think it was like number 54. It would have been so easy I to know. just make it. But I mean, they probably filmed on a different day, whatever. Or they just. I, whatever. Come on, script supervisor. Yeah, if they were going to go to the trouble to name numbers, like how hard would it have been? Whatever. Mm. So Pam, who, you know, is spooked and doesn't seem to want to do this, is suddenly no longer afraid of it and pulls out the riding jacket and puts it on. And then she seems kind of, dare I say, possessed. Yeah. Uh, and she looks in the mirror and she kind of smirks and then her hair is down all of a sudden and just to drive it home then she walks over <laughs> it, this very weird fantasy nighttime moment it's nighttime I should have mentioned that all of a sudden it's nighttime yeah just out of nowhere because she's like nighttime it's not nighttime <laughs> yeah she like says yeah. it it's not supposed to be nighttime and Pam walks over to the window yeah. and she follows Pam out this window. Uh, I'm trying to describe this the best I can, but really it just threw me for a loop when I saw it too. And I had to laugh. It was wild. Very wild. wild. So the window becomes this giant like round portal that they step through. It's very stage play-esque. Yes. Oh yes. Very much like a stage play. I felt like I was in an audience watching something that was really brilliantly done on a stage. Mm -hmm. But in the show, I was like, Okay. Yeah. It, it didn't really fit for TV, but I agree. And on a stage play, I would have been okay with it. So yeah, in this moment, just total break from reality, this right? Like window opens. Nighttime, this giant window then opens yeah. and there's this like swirling fog outside. And then there's this ornate staircase that leads down from the window as if from heaven. <laughs> and so they walk out the window and down the stairs and Amy follows Pam who is not acting like Pam anymore, into the woods that are near the house. Amy's still trying to talk to Pam as Pam, trying to say, like, I mean, it's it must be time for dinner. Like, don't you have to feed the dog or something? They do it again. Just yeah. boop, right on the nose. Boop, Another boop, reference. the nose. Um, <laughs> boop. Boop in the nose. <laughs> don't you have to feed the dog or something? Boop. So in that moment, I don't think I would have asked Pam, like, don't you have to feed the dog? I think I would say, where the hell did the giant staircase come from? What's happening? <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. I would have other questions she, to ask. She actually was making me laugh, though. Yeah. As these things go, yeah. I think she pulled it off. Yeah, it was pretty cheesy, but she, she did. She was cracking me up with her little, like, comments. She did the best she could with what she had, yeah, that's, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's not a, sure. an easy thing to do, but. Um, yeah, I have a couple notes from her that were that were pretty funny. But, you know, she's, like, trying to get Amy's attention. Amy is trying to get Pam's... I know these are confusing names. Sorry. Pam is the possessed cousin at this point wearing the riding jacket. um, And she's not responding to any of Amy's comments. Mm -hmm. And she instead, like, leads her into the woods directly to this graveyard in a clearing, which is super convenient because much of their family is buried in this graveyard that we didn't know about before. I I laughed. It was when... um when Pam goes into the into the graveyard and, yeah. and Amy goes, 
oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, same, same girl. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, I was like, no. I, I get that. Funny enough. And it feels, again, like they're just inserting something scary to for scary sake. Like a witch board, a graveyard. Ooh, scary stuff. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do otherwise? But they read off this gravestone. Mm-hmm. Like it going back like 100 years, they read off this gravestone. As you are, so was I. As I am, so you will be. It's very Haunted Mansion. Right? Isn't it? Have you ever seen that on a gravestone? No, I haven't. I have, really? actually. Yeah, when I read, when I saw it in this episode, I was like, oh my gosh. Because I don't remember. It was sometime during COVID. I was walking somewhere near here. Like I had gone to be not at my house, uh, but also not with people. Sure. And... This inscription was on a gravestone, mm-hmm. and it was from 1915. Wow. But in that iteration of it, the full rhyme is, as you are, so was I, as I am, so you will be, prepare to follow me. Oh. Like, that's the end of it. Good grief. I know. Damn hell. And so as soon as I saw it in this, I looked it up, because then I was like, oh my god, now I have to look it up, Um, because I want to know like where the quote was from. And I found this blog from like 2010 that had a bunch of research about this quote. Nice. But apparently, the best that they can find it's attributed to Edward the Black Prince in Canterbury. His tomb is in Canterbury. Okay. And he, he died in 1376. So it originally did not have that prepare to follow me line. It was just the, it's just the original rhyme as is. Nice. And so the variations that included that became more popular in 17th century Scotland, apparently. So the, the furthest back, I guess, that they can trace it is 1376. And then it grew in popularity throughout that area. And then in Scotland... And the blog that I was reading, it talked about the fact that the full verse was used throughout the 19th and into the 20th century. And apparently the Federal Writers Project found that the verse, like the most recent use of the verse was in Indiana between 1856 and 1914. So it was like really common in that area at that time, which I thought was crazy because the what I saw was from we are in. Alabama, mm-hmm. and it was from 1915, so it was right in that like yeah, time frame. Goodness. And I don't know that I've ever seen it again. I don't. Isn't that crazy? I don't think I've seen it, but I'm gonna go back to the graveyards that I frequented, and I'm gonna look for it. Yeah, I figured if anybody would have, you would have seen it. No, I don't think I've seen it's it. It's a nice, it's a nice rhyme. But the prepare to follow me is a very like it. It feels very Christian to come out of the 17th century. Like yeah. You know, it's it's very Catholic. Definitely, yeah, very Catholic. (laughs) Perpetuating an idea, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so random tangent on that, but I I thought it was interesting. The craziest gravestone I've ever seen. Do tell. Uh, The only thing is, science God doesn't exist. There is nothing after life. Whoa. Um, yeah. There basically like there is no hope. By the way. Yeah, on a gravestone. Yeah. I mean, that's really badass. It's but like it's wild. Uh, I'm gonna have to go like take a picture of it and post it on the Instagram. Oh yeah, and then get so much sued by whoever owns it. But I actually, I actually have a picture of the this one that I found. We're gonna post that. I, I took a picture of it. Okay. I, I posted it on my like on my own Instagram story because I liked it when I found it. Yeah, months ago. That's wild. And it came up in this episode. I was like, ooh, like it's weird serendipity. Like even if this is not the best rated episode or whatever, like apparently. I don't know. It's weird. Look, I we're breaking we down walls here. We're making That's people right. like this. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're both just like pause like, well, maybe. We'll see. Anyway. Um. So Pam and Amy are in this graveyard and then they find Aunt Dora's grave. And Amy, who's really dense and is not catching on at this point even. Because she's a woman. Keep, exactly. She's feminine. Mm. Um. She keeps asking like what's happening to Pam 
And then Pam, or at this point, Dora, begins to, like, absently comment on Mon Petit Rouge. Oh, my God. And Mon. so she just starts, like, repeating that. Mon Petit Rouge. And then she picks up this piece of a bone, just, like, in, in the graveyard. <laughs> then she says, the fox leaves me presents. So then she tells the story of Mon, Mon Petit, Petit Rouge, Rouge, which is this fox that she was feeding um, near the time of her death. Obviously, it's not obvious if you don't know French, so apologies. I also don't know French, but I know enough to know that, that Mon Petit Rouge means my little red one. My little red. My little red. And so apparently Dora was feeding this fox each day through a cage, like bonding with the fox in the barn. My little red. And this it was a type of... It, it wasn't expressly said, but it's implied, you know, on this hunting ground, they were going to release this fox for the hounds to go after. Like, yes. that's the fox and the hound, yada, yada. That's the main thing with this episode that's relevant is, one, they're using the fox and the hound success. Mm -hmm. But that is a heartbreaking movie. It is. I mean, I can't I can't watch it again. I can't do it. I Yeah, I can't either. But I, I have many times in my childhood. I can't watch it now. That's the darkest aspect of this mm -hmm. episode. Yes. Is that they caged a fox. Mm -hmm. Not just went fox hunting right. for, you know, wild foxes. They caged one, they fed it, they fattened it up. Mm -hmm. And this little girl who was involved in the family, this family tradition, she was just a child, befriended a fox. This is uh, 1963, yeah. it would be. So she, yeah, took care of it, loved it. She named it Montpetit Rouge. I mean, come on. Yeah, she did name it, yeah. So, I mean, it's this little love story between girl and fox, and that's so adorable. Mm -hmm. Not knowing, really not fully intelligently understanding. Mm -hmm. Maybe she did, but maybe not, that they were going to release the fox for the hounds and have a No, I think, yeah, I think hunt. she understood it. And they don't so, really say it explicitly in the episode either. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it's kind of awful. Honestly. But it was a common practice, I guess, at the time. I would watch the movie where that happened. Yeah. Like, that's more... You'd ever want to have a backstory that's more interesting than your present modern story. Yeah, and it is that, for In sure. In this case, the backstory is way more interesting. I want to watch that movie where the girl befriends the The story the of Dora, yeah. And how she ends up, which we'll get to, what the, her yes. fate is. Yes. Because her family is engaging in this practice. I don't approve of hunting. I hate yeah, hunting. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> Not we into hate it. hunting here. Sorry, but no thanks. Um, don't don't appreciate it. We love animals. Don't kill them. Please. please they have more don't. of a right to be here <laughs> than we do. They do, and it hurts my heart when I think so, about it. Me too. Anyway, so that, that to, to me, that was like, okay, I get the point of this episode. That's pretty dark. I get it. That's pretty dark. I get it. Yes. So. So, yeah, she's like bonding with this fox. And then she even says, she's like, I didn't want the hounds to tear him apart, but they were ravenous and howling for the hunt, she says. Mm -hmm. um, also and dark, she explains, they don't feed dogs for a couple days. Yes, they, they withhold them. food from them to then make them more agile and, and desperate to eat. They want to kill the fox so they can eat it. Just exactly. for sport. It's all just for sport. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not a fan of it for sport. Mm -mm. Not into it. Not so into it, no. mm -mm. she explains, you know, now Pam, as Dora is explaining to Amy, <laughs> that on the day of the hunt, like she opened the cage early and like let him run free, like around the barn. Yep. So the hounds could like hear him and smell him. And they were getting more and more like agitated. And, and she opened the barn door and he like seemed to smile at her and ran away. <laughs> and um, she wanted to ride after him and the hounds are still going crazy. So she like saddles up Mirage, her horse, you know, races after the, the fox. But at this point, something spooks the horse and then he shied before a jump and they both fell like off a cliffside, basically, yeah. mountain or a hill. So Amy is like trying to make Pam 
get a grip thinking it's still Pam apparently and being like your imagination's run away with you like you're Pam you're not Dora yeah <laughs> this moment also made me laugh but they're you know in this graveyard and uh, at this moment the camera like spins around and there's this really ghostly looking man in overalls that's approaching them yeah through the fog of in the night and um he tells Dora that he was wondering when she'd get around to her chores. So we don't like this guy. Yeah, jerk. And she tells him that she's come to feed the hounds. He tells her that she should have fed them while they were alive. <laughs> so it's all like, <laughs> it's guilt for not doing your chores. And I know we're all dead now, but I'm still going to guilt you for not doing your chores, Dora. Like a man. Just like a man. Just like a man. And then he, they do this on purpose, I think, just to make the man creepy. They just had it. Same thing. So they introduce a Ouija board to be spooky. They introduce a graveyard to be spooky. Yeah. And then they introduce a ghost man a to be spooky. A ghostly old man. The misogynistic asshole. Misogynistic dude. To make him more scary, they give him this little little monologue. Mm. Um, and he says, I'll read it to you. <clears throat> he says, oh. I was all torn up when you died, my little Dora. When I found them, they were nearly starved. They leapt at me. I couldn't keep them down. I got away, but my heart. And then he like holds his heart, like his heart's given out. <laughs> um, I guess implying that it, the dogs gave him a heart attack because she didn't feed them and let the fox go and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but he's like gripping his heart and trying to be all scary. And he like reaches all dramatically for them. Yeah. And then he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's not coming after them, but he right. just breaches his arm out and they scream and run away. Nah. Like that. And uh, he, he after them, is yelling, why didn't you feed the hounds? Like, all mad. <laughs> yeah. One, being eaten alive by dogs is way more serious than- oh, That was too well, scary. I got away. It's not more serious than a heart attack, because like, the whole phrase is like as serious as a heart attack. You're but- right. Nothing's more serious than a heart attack. But <laughs> it was still like, I mean, I got away fine. But then I had a heart attack. It was like, okay, I mean, all right. I think that was just because they didn't want to put the image of a man being mauled by dogs in the head of children. Yeah, that's, that's it. like Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, and Supernatural. Yeah, oh, Supernatural. The yeah. scary thing that scared me as an adult mm-hmm. was somebody being mauled by hellhounds. Granted, the hell yeah. aspect of it was the more scary to me still. I definitely don't want to be attacked by a dog or a group, I don't a either. group of dogs. I know, nope. that sounds awful. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Don't want to, nope, sounds like a terrible way to go either way. Yeah. But I do think it was funny that they like, I got away from the dogs but my heart my heart gave they out. just couldn't that was too much i guess kind of like you've been saying like that was just too much they had to dial it back a little bit so mm-hmm. heart attack apparently is more palatable sure but still this dead man is talking to this dead girl about dying on her dead horse in the middle of the, and the graveyard the dogs that died because and she the didn't dogs feed died because she didn't feed them so i mean how 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 much are you really dialing back <laughs> yeah point? really who are we helping here by <laughs> skirting around the actual issue yeah good grief so Giles, the stable hand, this man, that's Giles. who he is. That's the name he was given. Um, he is played by an actor named David Francis. Mm. And he comes back in Are You Afraid of the Dark two more times. He portrays old man Cor- Corcoran. Yes, he does. In the tale of old man Corcoran. Corcoran. And then, Corcoran. And then the third time he comes back, he plays Daniel Carpenter in the tale of Station uh, 109.1. Okay. Which is one of my favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? That is one that I 100% remember and stuck with me big time as a kid. Nice. So they run away from the man, the ghost man that's just reaching out his arm. Apparently it's menacing. (laughs) And they run into the barn to hide. 
and they're followed by all this like growling and barking. And so Dora lights a lantern and she explains to Amy that Giles was a stable keeper. So that's, they're like, oh, by the way, in case you want to know who that was, we'll give him a name now. And then they realize that the door has been locked from the outside. So they're locked in the barn. So then we jump out to the Midnight Society, like you do. And Elvis is like whining at this point. And then somebody's like, maybe he smells a fox. Maybe he's scared. Maybe he's hungry. And then Gary laughs and Kristen gives him a treat. (laughs) We just had to see the cute dog again, I guess. They needed to to. feature a dog in the episode about dogs. (laughs) And then Kristen says, maybe it was Giles. Maybe it was another ghost from the family graveyard. So just to dial up, like we can't do what we want to do, but we're going to dial up the not really scary, spooky stuff as high as we can go. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe there's even another ghost. Who knows what's going on here at this graveyard? Get it together, Kristen. What's your point? (laughs) Also, yeah, Kristen's the, you know, storyteller. So if it was another ghost, I feel like she should tell us. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the girls are stuck in the barn now. And then Dora, you know, is remembering that she needs to feed the hounds who are trapped. And then it's her fault. So there's all this guilt, like very heavy um, which I relate to and understand. Mm. So not not about not feeding the hounds per se, but yeah. just guilt as an emotion. Sure. <laughs> and oh yeah. Amy at this point brain blast. Amy figures out that it's the jacket that's causing the whole <laughs> problem. You mean so you've been wearing the jacket, jacket. the so, whole time you've been mm, wackadoo. Our fe- <laughs> wackadoo. Take the our, jacket our off. Feminine antagonist ish person finally. Gets the clue. So that's a, that's just unrealistic, and if you ask me, yeah, she would oh man, never figure it out. Yeah, it would have taken much longer. They should have had a man tell her God. what happened. Who Giles? Oh, he did. He ba- he. That's true. Yeah. I guess we did have a man that kind of explained it. Yeah, we had a man come in and tell him <laughs> in case you don't get it. Oh lord. Yeah. So she's trying to get her to take the jacket off, and then she explains that. She's Dora's niece. She's like, okay, I'm your niece, and you're inside your niece's body, Pam's body. Mm. And the audience is like, oh, okay, I understand now because you told me. Now we get it. And then Dora's like, I don't have any nieces, and my brother and sister are only 10 years old. Yeah. So then you're like, all right, now she really is in the 60s. I guess we understand that fully now. And then she goes on about, like, wanting to feed the hounds. And, I mean, I guess the idea of somebody, like, being out of their mind is a little bit scary, but it's not, to me, it just didn't really... This, this presentation didn't really, like, do it for me. Yeah. But yeah. she goes on wanting to feed the hounds. And then there's this door that you can see where the hounds are being kept, or you can hear it at least. And she explains how they, they're they starved before a hunt, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Amy's like, but what if they attack us? And then Dora's like, well, they must be fed. Like, I don't – but clearly they're not going to eat you. Like, you're just going to have a heart attack. <laughs> So at this point, I'm as I was rewatching the episode, I was kind of bummed because I was like, I expected this hungry hounds thing to go a little bit differently. Yeah. Um. So I started looking up a little bit of lore around ghost dogs. Um. There's a ton of stuff about ghost dogs everywhere, literally everywhere. Yes. Greek mythology, Harry Potter, black dogs. Uh. Yeah. So Arthur Conan Doyle's Hound of the Baskervilles, like it's just all throughout. It's a lot of stuff. Ghostly supernatural stuff. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. The lore around like a big black dog with glowing eyes is like probably the most prevalent in terms of that, like if you start looking for ghost dog stuff. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's often associated with electrical storms and crossroads, just like in that episode of Supernatural, mm-hmm. um, places of execution and ancient pathways. Ooh. That's what it said online, which I kind of liked. That's amazing, yeah. And apparently, like, the lore comes from most likely, like, ancient Celtic or, like, Germanic 
parts of England and Ireland. Yeah. But there are thousands of like sightings and reportings from everywhere across the world. So not just in that area, it really expanded. Although there are a ton of different legends from that yeah. area specifically. I'd lo- I would love to see something like I that. I know. Like, and there are a lot of sightings, like a ton yeah. of like young children in their bedroom that see a big black dog. In their room? Yes. <laughs> and, or in their house, like crossing the hallway or something. Mm. Um, And Ugh. it's often attributed to sleep paralysis. That would actually very much scare me if I saw a dog just like trot by. same Ooh, same and, but, and what gets to me about that too like even if people say okay it might be sleep paralysis or whatever like there's so much similarity in all of those types of stories the, the dog looks the same yeah it's so like, why it's, yeah. why are why even if it is sleep paralysis why are all children's brains not all but obviously the all that have seen this mm-hmm. there are more than one why do they all see the same thing yeah i mean like that's sleep bleh. paralysis in general like seeing like the hat man yes Yes. And like shadow people and like yep. seeing the same that we all I've see seen the shadow same people in my room. We all see thing. the same thing. It's and very it's like, scary. It's just the way that our bra- is it the way that our brains are programmed? The, like the is the it the way that brain. we see the same thing? We keep mentioning like the uncanny valley where you you look for a human or humanoid. Yeah. Like that's what humans do. But a dog? Question mark? Like really? <laughs> um Are we all that afraid of dogs? Pretty wild. I wrote down a really creepy, like, British iteration of the lore mm. um, is the Yeth Hound, like the Yell Hound, they, they call it, of Devon. According to Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, um, the Yeth Hound is a headless dog said to be the spirit of an unbaptized child, which rambles through the woods at night, making wailing noises, and may have been apparently one inspiration for the ghost dog in The Hound of the Baskervilles. Wow. A headless dog. I'll, I'll say that again in case you need it <laughs> one more time. Headless dog. The spirit of an unbaptized child. It's very spooky. Something about that? Creepy. Yeah. Real, real creepy. And again, Catholic Church and early Christian, all of that influence is is in a lot of the lore. But if it's headless, how does it wail? Mm, It's the spirit. So who knows? Mm. Don't understand the physics. What are the rules? We don't know the rules. We should ask an expert. And speaking of that, there are a lot of other cultures that have like traditions and theories about dogs and black dogs. Um, in Latin America, mm-hmm. black dogs are often like regarded as incarnations of the devil or they're regarded as like shapeshifters, like throughout history. I'm not saying like in modern Latin America, that's super common. I don't know that it is, but throughout history that has been mentioned. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know this, but it, apparently in Islam, fully black dogs are also considered to be the devil. Um, and then there are some ancient like Muslim texts that call for the killing of all black dogs. Whoa. Yeah. That's intense. So it's it's buried deeply into like certain religions and types of culture. And I don't know why. Like why? And that makes me believe it more. Isn't that weird? I mean, same. Just because it's so widespread. Anything that's- I don't believe that's it. That's buried that deeply into exactly. an ancient religion like that. Exactly. That that's makes, what I'm saying. That adds cred- credibility. I mean, say what you want about religion. It's, it's not necessarily credibility that it adds to me, but it adds like- There's a level of superstition and fear Superstition. There that, it, it makes me wonder what- happened what inspired there is an origin here i don't think that black dogs are the devil but like what is the origin not your average black dog but like but is there a demon demonic force if there is some spiritual entity that we can't can't explain or fathom that takes the um appearance takes on the apparition of a dog a black dog yeah it's just so deeply ingrained black animals yes are traditionally considered quite evil yeah and I'm not trying to suggest that people like practicing Muslims kill dogs. I'm not oh, saying no, that. Oh, no, 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 no. 
That's not I, what we're saying. Not going there. That's but not what we're saying. Black animals are not bad. Consider adopting one. I would love a black animal. Same. Same. Truly. I mean, I've always heard that like it's harder for black animals to be adopted and the internet kind of disagrees. It doesn't know whether that's true or not because apparently there are statistics that agree and disagree, I'm sure, in different places and whatever. I want a black cat and a black dog. Same. For sure. One of my favorite YouTube personalities. I don't know. She has a black dog and a black cat, nice. Luna and Myrtle. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and they are the best. Moaning Myrtle and Luna. Love exactly. Good. Yes. They're all from, from Harry Potter. Love Harry they're Potter. They're beautiful. Beautiful black animals and uh, don't discriminate. So back in the story world, um, to prevent Dora from like opening the kennel of these angry hunting dogs amy like shoves her into this animal pen and like locks her inside it in the barn do what you gotta do and um dora's like let me go i have to feed the hounds and then amy now getting upset is like not until you let pam back in her own body and um amy says she's gonna go for help and like dora insists that she doesn't know the way and like she'll show her back if she's allowed to feed the hounds Mm -hmm. and i just wondered to myself how many more times we could say the words feed the hounds and i wondered how many (laughs) times i was gonna say the words feed the hounds when i was talking about this episode they said it a lot dogs feed the hounds feed Feed the the hounds feed the the dogs did you feed the dogs we're not done yet but amy sass is back at her and she's like what are you gonna feed them me so they had to up the ante one more time exactly because clearly she's not gonna yeah. Feed her to the dog. Buddy. But I did appreciate the attempt. Yeah. They were really driving at home. They want you to be really afraid of these dogs eating people, but they're never going to tell you about these dogs eating people. They're Spoiler never going to say that they do, but they want you to be afraid. They of want you to think that they will. They were towing the line. <laughs> yes. Thank you, DJ McHale. You tried. He did. You I understand. Hard. They couldn't. I mean, it's a kid's horror show. I could see him be like, dude, we need these dogs to eat people. <laughs> they got to eat somebody. Make him almost eaten, but he gets away. You don't get away from <laughs> from a pack of dogs. I'm sorry to tell you, but you don't get away. Mm-mm, there's no getting away. Good luck getting away from one. Dora's like, no, I'll, I'll feed them kibble. And Amy's like, I'll get the kibble if you tell me where it is. And if you don't, we're <laughs> both dog meat. I love that. I laughed out loud again. She was like, what are you going to feed them? Me? And she's like, no, kibble. Kibble. <laughs> <laughs> you dumbass. No, I'm going to feed them kibble like you feed dogs. You? Oh, you thought. Oh, <laughs> You thought I was going to feed you to the hell. No. No. I have a pocket full of kibble. Yeah. That's what I got (laughs) for you. Yeah. That was pretty funny. It was just the way it was put together. And honestly, I I probably should acknowledge like it probably did occur because they kept having to make adjustments. I want it to be the case. I wanted that to be why it feels disjointed and why the spooks feel very and scares feel very disjointed. I want it to be because they wanted so much more gore than they were allowed to have. Yes. And they had to settle. I think they flew as close to the sun as (laughs) they could possibly get. So in that vein, Amy goes looking for the kibble. And while she's doing this, Dora, who apparently is super resourceful and like MacGyver spy level, um, uses her belt, like takes off her belt and like flings it over and uses it to open the latch of the pin and like get herself free. Also- a giant gap that she could just climb up and over. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I get it. I liked to MacGyver things as a kid, too. Secret I was very into that idea. Woman. I wanted to be a secret agent. So any adventure type story where the they're doing all these, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, real, real man stuff. All the man stuff where you're yeah. figuring out a problem and solving it with your hands. Yeah, I was playing yeah. video games. Well, this would have happened in a video game. It felt kind of like a video game. Kind of, yeah. Scene, like a skate Weirdly, room. like a Nancy Drew. Ooh, this is what it felt like. Yeah. If you needed to know... 
that is 100% what the scene feels like. It's like a Nancy Drew PC game. One of the less difficult, but yes. Yeah. Loved those games. I beat the majority of those games, but they are fantastic. Still fantastic. Apparently there are people that still play them to this day. I believe that, They yeah. still release them. Which is pretty great. Sure. Um, this is not a Nancy Drew video game. This is Are You Afraid of the Dark? And Ooh. this episode. Good save. Yeah, I'm back to it. Segwayed right around that. So Amy manages to find like this big bag of kibble and she's like dragging it back. And then when she comes back into the room, Dora's like already headed for the door to let the hounds free. So in this like slow motion moment, the hounds get loose and Amy spills the kibble. And then she jumps up on top of these hay bales and the dogs get out. So they come at her and they're, she's like kicking at the dogs and they don't really look very vicious once you actually see them. It's the same thing of like, I mean, <laughs> as we kind of have discussed a couple of times, like showing us your monster. Yeah, they're so adorable. I, don't get me wrong. I've seen dogs look vicious and I've been afraid of dogs at certain points in my life. But yeah. as a rule, I'm not. Um, because these dogs, especially, <laughs> don't look very mean at all. Um, they look very sweet. And honestly, in the moment, myself, I was a little more annoyed that she was, like, kicking at them. Yeah. Like, don't kick her head. Like, <laughs> don't kick don't that dog. Don't hurt those puppies. I didn't, I don't think she actually kicked the dog, but. No, she was just trying to keep the distance. But exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. I noticed the same thing. I was like, release the sweet puppies. Yeah, <laughs> they, they attack wanna, the puppies. They want to lick your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they want you to think that she they're, like, nipping at her feet. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, the hero appears, a fox. Makes itself known, like, scapers through and then runs out the door yeah. to save her. Oh, my gosh. So, like, just throwing her life down, throwing his life down, throwing its life down for the girls. And the hounds, like, follow the fox out the door. And they're like, Mumpatiru, she saved us. He saved us, which is so precious and sad. Like, bless that little fox, and I hope you get away. But you're all ghosties, so I don't know why I'm worried. So at this point, Pam is nowhere to be found, and Amy's, like, looking around the barn. And then she walks out the door to see Dora slash Pam mounted on this white horse. God, so so cheesy. And... (laughs) really cheesy moment of like i guess dora has fulfilled her purpose now and she's, she's happily horseback riding in the afterlife <laughs> she's like a hell horse oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no um yeah pam finally gets to ride the horse right the dream comes true Pun intended like without restraints or reins or anything just totally like bareback bareback <laughs> that's what they call it bareback um i don't think she was though i think there was there was there was always a lot of riding gear involved just helmet and the crop and everything that was a stunt double probably it wasn't pam because horses are dangerous you know especially when you honk your horn at them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they trot off screen and then amy like rushes after them through the woods and they run 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 through the woods and back up the magic staircase back into the attic mm. just like a dream ending and then suddenly it's daytime and Pam just, like, emerges from the rack of clothing in the closet, which is apparently less weird than a staircase in the woods. Mm-hmm. So she bops right on out of the clothing rack, and then she's, like, sniffling and allergies and dust, etc. Amy <laughs> says, let's go downstairs. This place is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Which that might have made me laugh more than anything else. I think no, that got you me. Think? <laughs> I was like, this place might be haunted. Like, Are You Afraid of the Dark doesn't really do it like that normally. I feel like that's not the way that it's normally this handled. This is a but... unique episode. Maybe yeah. maybe they were, I mean, this is still season one. They're still figuring things yes. out. 
And it's true. Yeah. For all we know, this is one of the first written episodes. Sure. Yeah. It very well could have There's been. There's no telling. We don't know. Um, and they could have just been like guessing a whole bunch throughout this yeah. whole first season. What's going to be scary? What can we get away with? And they all just that stuff. did it right the first three or four times. Right. And now they're like, well, let's try something different. Yeah. And it just didn't quite work. No. Because they do continue to have some less than scary episodes. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they're scary to some people. Right. And maybe this one is too. Tell us if you were scared. I'd love to know. Because everybody- Tell me why. Everybody Everybody has their own- Everybody's scared of different things. Yeah. Different experiences. If you had an experience where a dog, like you're scared of dogs in real life, this might have been really a frightening idea to you. If you've been attacked by a dog- Sure. This is traumatizing. It's trauma. 100%. Yeah. Don't mean to- belittle that i've never been attacked by a dog when i was in college so i studied creative writing and literature and all that but we read a novel for a class that was a ghost story also with an unreliable narrator the great great novel called the little stranger Mm -hmm. i recommend it highly it freaked me out okay wow i loved this book but okay this is my this is my disclaimer Mm -hmm. i bought into the story yes like i told myself hey this is going to be good. Enjoy this. Yeah. This is for your college class. This is going to t- make you a better writer. Mm-hmm. This is going to teach you a lot about writing about ghost stories and everything. So I like set the tone, the mood. I read mm-hmm. it at, at night. Like I like, I was prepared to be spooked. Okay. When you prepare yourself for that, you can- In any scenario. It, it opens you, you up. You spook yourself. Yeah, you can scare yeah. yourself. So I thoroughly enjoyed this novel. Like it, it, made, it gave me chill bumps to read it. But in class, I was like, y'all- this book's good and it, <laughs> it's like freaking me out. And people were like, ew, really? Uh, it's not scary at all. It's stupid. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? It's so good. Aww. Anyway, all that to say, your personal experience sets your brand of horror. Yes. It, it establishes your, your fear, what you're afraid of. Everybody yes. has their own distinct type of brand of horror. That that's right gets to them or that they enjoy. Yep, there are plenty of things that scare me that don't scare other people. I mean, and I think you and I subscribe to the same kind of fear. Yeah, very often ours do overlap. Our yeah. Venn diagrams are. Yeah. yeah, we're very much right there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And right in the middle is just oh. Mike Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. He's just like <laughs> He's sweet spot. The speckle. Uh, yes. But uh, but anyway, Funny. so yeah, all that to say, we don't. You know, we're making fun of this episode, but. It is the lowest rated episode. And it's not just because of the scare factor. It's also the way that it is put together. It's kind of poorly put together. It feels really, what's the word that I want? You probably have one. You have a mouthful. (laughs) (sighs) It's not pedestrian. Um, That's not the word that I want. But it's like. My takeaway. It's not even disjointed. It's just. My takeaway from this. Well, before we get to a takeaway. Okay. Well, I was going to just. Yeah. Okay. 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 We'll go ahead. No, go ahead. ahead. (laughs) We just have one more moment to like put a put a pin in it. Put go ahead and then bow on it. Then we'll do final reflections, and then we can do some reflections. We'll finish up. Go ahead. Yes. So obviously, Amy says this place is haunted, (laughs) Um, and then Pam's like, "Well, I thought you didn't believe in ghosts. Come on, I got to go feed the dogs." Yeah. And then Amy says, (laughs) "One more time." (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's we gotta just how many times can we say it as many as possible? (laughs) So gotta go feed the dogs, and then emphasis on the s, and then Amy says plural. What dogs? You only have one. And then Pam says, that's what I said. Dog. And then we have like a did not did two, did not did two. I I kind of liked it though. (laughs) They do it like four times. They really do. Like they really indulge in this. And then Pam's like, who cares what I've said? What's wrong with you? And then Amy's like, nothing. I'm fine. 
Um, so Pam then like heads downstairs to feed Rexy. Apparently that's the name of the dog is Rexy. Oh, we just now learned the name of the dog? Yes, we didn't know the name of the dog before, but we learned that it is wow. Rexy. Like I assume R-E-X-Y. Rexy. And Amy, in alone now in the attic, reaches into her pocket, <laughs> pulls out a handful of kibble, <laughs> and says, I think I have just the thing. <laughs> it's like... It's like four kernels of kibble. Yeah. It's like nothing. But it's also just like they needed that to show you that it was real somehow or they wanted like I don't know. That's just the, the, they just the they button. just really overdid it. They really they really, really oversold overdid this. this one. So then, you know, she's like, I have just a thing, walks out the door. And in my mind, I'm like, cool, 30-year-old kibble. That's what the dogs want. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> so idea. Stale. Good idea. Uh, so then we're back <laughs> at the campfire at the Midnight Society. Oh, that's so funny. And um <laughs> Kristen says that Pam tried one more time to convince her mom to let her take riding lessons. And it finally worked because Pam's mom, in literal quotes, this is what is said, Pam's mom was no longer haunted by her sister, Dora, and Dora's ghost was no longer tormented by the howling of the hungry hounds. Yeah. <laughs> they just, little bow, tied mm, it right hungry on Hungry hounds. Um, except for Giles. That didn't get tied up at all. This man died of a heart attack on the property. But whatever. No, forget that guy. Yeah, who cares? Natural causes. Um, heart attack. <laughs> uh, Gary declares the meeting closed and he quips like, you shouldn't forget to feed your dog or they might have a bone to pick with you. I love Hardy Gary. Hard. God bless Gary. You know, <laughs> God. Another hashtag. God bless Gary. God like, bless sure. Gary. That is a true thing that I say often. We'll make a movie show. and we will cast Ross Hole. I would. Lead. Oh, that would be just my dream. How about that? Dream. Wow. He'd be like, well, I'm a weatherman, but okay. But hey, that doesn't mean you can't be in a movie. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll incentivize him somehow. <laughs> I feel like I just like put a seed in your brain that you're like, you're yeah, still I'm like, like, well, processing. Maybe he still acts. I just threw Who you knows? off your groove. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm still. You think it's possible? I'm still over here like, maybe. Do you think he likes me? <laughs> Do you think he would like me as a director? Do you think we'd be friends? <laughs> so yeah. So then obviously everybody rolls their eyes at this joke, Eric and Kiki, and I'm really grateful because I didn't have to do it. Yeah. So yeah, some final thoughts. Did you want to go into the way you're about to say your reflection? You were going to say, did I interrupt you and throw off your groove? Now? No, 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 absolutely not. Okay, good. You you say say what you want. Okay. Say what you want. Well, what yeah. I had written is that I like the idea of like the general generational curse. Oh, of course. Like I like the idea of exploring that. I think that there's a lot to that, both in reality and in story. I think it's not always a ghost person, but like there are many curses generationally on people, ideas that cause suffering, et cetera, et cetera. Oh yeah. And real and not just ideas, but like real actual suffering in many cultures and peoples. <laughs> but yeah. This was a pretty elementary way to like explore it, explore that. But I do feel like it's interesting to like reflect on our ancestors and families and like what have they carried down that we may not even know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like and it made me think of like um, this is like a very, very literal example. Um, I may have told you before, Christian, but my great grandmother on my dad's side, I believe, was um, killed in a car accident. And like several of her daughters, like my dad's mom, I think, and aunts, like all had lasting effects from hmm. this I may be getting it totally wrong. My dad will correct me. I think it was their actual mom and not their stepmother. I think that their stepmother was the one that I would have known. Sure. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And I have de like deep-seated fear of car accidents. Yeah, we've always like... Yeah. Both you and I do. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, kind of in my family and the trauma was somewhat passed down. And like, I think one of the aunts, she's she's 
pass away um, since then. But one of the aunts, I think that was actually in the accident, she never drove again. Yeah. So when I was younger, like this older, it's my dad's aunt, right? So it's my great aunt. Yeah. She she wouldn't drive anywhere. So like they would have to pick her up for functions or whatever, to, mm. et cetera, whatever was going on. Um, and her kids would have to take her places and stuff. And I, as a kid, I just knew like Aunt Sharon doesn't drive, but it never clicked for me until much later in life when I was like, yeah. that's why Aunt Sharon doesn't drive is because she was in the car wreck. At least that's what I, I have put together on my own at this point. Sure. Makes so sense. all that stuff's scary. There's lots of big, scary generational curse stuff that could be explored. And oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll discuss okay. more things like that in other episodes. But mm. what did you give this or what would you give this as a scare <laughs> rating? Very low. I mean, uh-huh. I don't want to be a, give, give me just a number. to be on the safe side. I'll give, I'll give it a two. Okay. <laughs> because there might be something else that just didn't resonate. Yes. I'm so sure there will I be. also gave it a two. Okay, good. So yeah, we're right, because right there in that pocket of like, The eh. concept, because I love a graveyard. Same, same. That was exactly my reasoning. <laughs> the idea that you could just see a ghost and somebody, I'm sure, I'm sure as a kid that would have at least given me hesitation. Yeah. On some level. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I gave it a two yeah. because I don't want to say one. I don't want to start right. off. Yeah. It's it's hard to like give something a one so early in our yeah. exploration. Because I mean, I, yeah. Because we'll, we'll continue rating stuff. I'm sure even if we, once we begin to cover things other than Are You Afraid of the Dark, like I'm sure we'll, we'll be rating stuff. So it's tough to say. The takeaway I was going to say earlier was like, this one's hard to relate to. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. It's it's really specific. It's very yeah, and it works for Kristen's character. I hate to say it in that I feel like she comes from privilege and money. The character, or yeah, no, just Kristen as the character. The the, yeah, the yeah. fictional, you know, just confirming. Yeah, um, she has to have experience like riding horses. Mm-hmm. So she's that kind of like country, kind of well off. We have a stable. We have horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar with this kind of story. This yeah. kind of thing scares me. Like mm-hmm. me personally, as Kristen, a horse riding accident. A horse riding accident is scary to me. That's not relatable yeah. to a lot of people. Right. That's very specific to people. Who as a child, I would say that probably ride horses. I did ride horses. I did not have horses. Um, you rode, I took you rode horses. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I took horseback riding lessons from like. For, it was probably only like a year or maybe a year and a half when I was like eight to nine or nine to ten, something like that. Yeah. Um, I had all of like my tack, my crop, my wow. oh, boots and everything. Yeah. That's cool. I You're so small as an adult. I can't imagine you as a small child. That's on I a think big mostly horse. why <laughs> uh, I didn't end up sticking with it. Like it was, I mean, it was really fun. And I, I, uh, I still remember like some of the horses, um, the horse that I really loved, he was kind of a problem to a lot of people. He wasn't like the worst. That sounds about right. Worst, um, worst horse that they had, like in terms of temperament, but he was not the nicest either. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's exactly who I gravitated to. That fits you. And that's his name was friends. Sebastian. Exactly. <laughs> so I still think of Sebastian. Oh, Sebastian. I'm sure he's no longer with us now, but he was my favorite horse. And then the really docile horse that they put everybody on at first, his name was Little Joe. Little Joe? He was not little. He was the biggest (laughs) one, but he was the nicest. Yeah, was his name Tiny? (laughs) Yeah, Little Joe. They They were fun. All that to say, like the horse riding accident wouldn't necessarily be scary to me now because I haven't been on a horse in 12, 13 years. Yeah. Um, but at the time, 
very relevant to my life. I get that. Very, um, it, it, being in these horseback riding lessons, I was with my one of my best friends at the time. Um, she was like five years older than me, and she and I were taking these lessons together. Mm-hmm. And she actually did fall off. And I think she broke her arm, oh, if I'm wow. not mistaken, or her leg. So in these lessons, she did fall off and break her leg yeah. or her arm. I really can't remember. I feel bad. Sorry, Camille. But my parents, I think I came to a decision with them as this was happening that a lot of the we were moving really quickly through a lot of the lessons. And I was like already cantering really early on, like maybe three months in. I don't know if that's actually fast or slow. I really have no idea. Yeah. But it felt fast to us for me being the size that I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like one step down from galloping. Like there's like trotting and then cantering and then galloping, whatever. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, so I was already doing that and it was very scary. It's fast. And like you're, you're really high up at that age, you know, you're really – high up on an animal that's and high now i've been on a horse it's scary yeah so um, totally out of control like no control yeah that, it was just a feeling of being yeah out Ooh, of control and not that knowing scares me um and i was put on that horse that had kind of an attitude problem who i loved just deeply loved this horse but yeah, yeah he's like i don't want to go in circles yeah i i stopped horse riding after about a year <laughs> yeah wow but it was fun sorry random tangent about my life now you're learning more things about me yeah i didn't know that i learned something yeah. new today there you go it's amazing i've known you for what six years now it's a first yeah, and you had no idea I-, I had no idea you ever been on a horse it's awesome yep i loved i loved it well then the well then maybe i'm way off maybe it's more relatable to be on to, I think, to ride horses and i was gonna say that too like even though like i don't think that it's necessarily everybody's cup of tea or super common like it is a thing that people do at camp or um, like different, yeah. it's not only accessible to wealthy people. Like you may come across a horse as a child. Yeah, a horse ride okay. isn't that far off. And then there was always like the I don't even know, like American Girl, like had a lot of yeah stuff, which I loved. Yeah, loved like that was my history <laughs> uh, in school. Literally, American Girl dolls. Very stuff. small private school. When I was in school, that was our history curriculum. Was reading American Girl, Fen- like phenomenal. Wow, but. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff around horseback riding and horses, and it was just in the, like, like horse girls. I was not necessarily a horse girl, right. but there is a reason that stereotype exists, and it comes, I feel like, very much from not just the 90s, but the horse girls were alive and well in the 90s. Mad respect to the horse girls. Mad respect. So. Yeah, I went to school with a horse girl. Just the one, though. Just one? Okay. No, I knew way more than one. Just one. That's it. Still do, but they're they're great. Which is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I also gave it a two, mostly because I like don't want to be torn limb from limbs by hunting dogs. But they didn't, though. But they didn't. So it's if like, they mm-hmm. had, I would have given this like a four. Yeah. True. Same. Yeah. I think that would have upped the. If he'd been like, bit. I was eaten alive by the hound dog. Yeah. If he was I mean, like bloody and scratches or something, that would have given me pause for sure. Same. Which I think is probably why they couldn't do it. But you know what was scary? What's that? The ghost dogs that I was looking up, mm-hmm. the Yeth Hound and all that stuff. Don't look that up in the dark because that's really <laughs> scary. If you if you are uh, pre- predisposed eyes. to a fear of yeah. dogs, don't look it up Mm-mm. at night. Hi- highly don't recommend that. <laughs> or do if you like to be afraid. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Why not? There are some really, really scary like illustrations of Ooh, yeah. ghost dogs. So. Yeah. With this one, I like, again, I broke down the logistics of how this would have happened. And I'm just kind of like, all right, well, she released the fox as a as a hunting game. Right. And then the whole thing was the guilt trip of like, you should have fed the dogs. Mm-hmm. How? By letting yeah. them have the fox? By letting them have the fox, I think is the... But then she's like, no, kibble. So... But kibble. I don't know. But also, she's, I don't know, 14. 
Why is it her responsibility to feed your seven hound, hound dogs? dogs? That was her. That was her choice. If he's the he, what was he the groundskeeper or the like stable stable hand? It's his job to feed the dogs. You would think so. Yeah. Why is that her chore? And also, not his chore? if they're that hungry and ravenous, and he knew that, why would he release the dogs without feeding them? Yeah. I'm confused by all of this. Very confusing. Can someone explain this to me? Please. I don't really know because she let go <laughs> of out. one fox explain. that might feed one. Maybe two dogs mm-hmm. at most. And I mean, she didn't, she died chasing the fox. Yeah. You know, it's like. The dogs didn't know. eat her alive. The unfinished, yeah, the unfinished business wasn't with the dogs, it was with the fox. If she let the fox go and then was eaten alive by the dogs because the fox got away, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have been a good story. Yeah, agreed. There are some little modifications they could have made. And that's another reason why I just have to wonder. Yeah. If it wasn't totally different and they had to go back to the drawing board on it because it didn't test well or I'm gonna, <laughs> the network said no. I'd love to get my hands on like an original first draft script of this. Yeah. Because I be... bet you the first draft was way more brutal than yeah. this like fourth or fifth draft. Agreed. I can almost guarantee that. Wow. Well, yeah. And that's the episode. That's the tale of the hungry hounds. That's the tale of the hungry hounds. They are some hungry Let me tell you. Hounds. Let me They're tell you. hungry, if nothing else. They like kibble. <laughs> they like kibble and fox. They don't love stable man. No, they, but they didn't eat him. They, so. they let him go. And you thought we'd have nothing to talk about. I know. Wow. We really did the thing. We did it. Should we say thanks for listening? We should. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Appreciate you so much. Go, uh, go uh, click our buttons. Click the click All that stuff. Follow us on all the places. Yeah, do the thing. We hope you have pleasant dreams. Not haunted by ghost dogs or anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Dream of ghosts. Dream of dogs. Life's hard, so you gotta dream of... <laughs> dream big. big. Big dreams. Have big nightmares. Big dogs. Have... Oh, have big nightmares. Wow. Have Hashtag big nightmares. Big nightmares. I'm into it. All right, well, until next time. Until next time. That was pretty dark. Keep it spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark. Written and produced by Christian Baxter Mott and Kaylin Andrews. Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration. Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast. Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, you're never really alone. So, Until next time, sweet dreams, everyone.